early in the morning on the streets of Philadelphia. It was freezing cold. And I just started to feel something welling inside. And they go, Sly, are you ready? I go, I'm not what Rocky is. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 272. Releasing on the 9th of June on digital and video demand in the United States and Canada, and at becomingrocky.com for those from Australia and other international territories, is Becoming Rocky, The Birth of a Classic, a fascinating 30-minute documentary comprised of never-before-seen behind-the-scenes footage that chronicles the making of Rocky, the 1976 Oscar-winning film and pop culture phenomenon that changed the landscape of film forever. Narrated by Sylvester Stallone and featuring Super 8 footage shot by acclaimed director John G. Avildsen, Becoming Rocky is a must-see for not only Rocky fans, but for film buffs everywhere who want to see the making of an American classic. Joining me now to talk about Becoming Rocky, the birth of a classic, is the film's director and producer, Derek Wayne Johnson. Derek, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So, the making of this or the making of the making of this is really fascinating to me so previously you did a documentary about um the director of rocky and karate kid a bunch of other great films john g Avildsen. the film that film was called king of the underdogs um was it during the making of that film that you came across the footage that we're going to see in the becoming um rocky uh movie yeah it the, the whole thing is is quite fascinating uh most of this footage um, in Becoming Rocky, The Birth of a Classic, it has been seen before, except there, there's a little bit of footage that has never been seen, and um, that's from John Avildsen's personal vault. So, um, you know, on DVD and Blu-ray special features of Rocky, we've seen a lot of this stuff. And when I did King of the Underdogs, John gave me hours and hours and hours of footage um, that was digitized that I could use for his documentary. Well, one night I went to dinner with mutual friends and met Frank Stallone. We had not met yet. And I had already made King of the Underdogs. Mm -hmm. Well, I had some footage that I assumed he hadn't seen yet of, of him and his brother Sly sparring in a ring uh, back in 1975. So I put it on my phone. I asked Avildsen if I could show Frank. He said, of course. When I showed Frank, he wept. He really teared up. He had never seen it. And he told Sly. Now, granted, I had already interviewed Sly for King of the Underdogs, so he knew who I was. But Sly asked him, see if um, Avildsen and Derek will give me all of this footage just for my personal you know, archive. So I put it all on a Blu-ray, put some Rocky music underneath it, and about a year later, I'm invited to Sly's house. My producing partner, Chris May, and I, and Frank Stallone, we went over there to Sly's so he could watch King of the Underdogs. Well, here's some of this footage, right? Well, he loved the film so much that while the credits for Underdogs are rolling, he said, guys, I have an idea. I want you to make a documentary solely based on this footage of John's and I'll narrate it for you. And 
I, you know, a lot of this stuff has been seen before, but see if you can find anything that hasn't been seen. Well, naturally, I went to John. He was still alive at this time. Of course, he passed away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And he said, absolutely. And so that is how this footage came to be. Um, and we're very excited about it because, again, most of it has been seen. But for the little snippets that haven't, it's uh, quite charming that we got to um, release some of it finally. Like you said before, us Rocky fans, we've bought the DVDs, we've bought the Blu-rays, we've seen some of this stuff before. I think a lot of the stuff we might have seen is like out of, the, out of your documentary, some of the sparring footage between um, Carl Weathers and Stallone um, in regards to that kind of stuff. The things that I love, though, is kind of like the behind-the-scenes, behind-the-scenes stuff, the stuff of Stallone at John G. Avildsen's son's birthday, um, things like that that we haven't seen before, the things that really deal with, like, really into the more kind of personal relationships that between filmmakers and, and, his, and their actors, and etc. Um, it Was there a moment when you're watching this footage that really floored you? Because, as you said before, Frank Stallone really had an emotional impact. Stallone was so moved by it that he wanted to narrate the thing. What about yourself? When you're watching this stuff, what was the first thing that kind of popped in your head? Like, wow, I have not seen that before. Well, I don't want to give too much away because I want, you know, the audience to see it for themselves. Some of the stuff that's in there. Of but course, yeah. since you did mention the the birthday party, uh that's one of them. I was completely shocked that here we are in July of 76, uh, months before the film is released, and there's Sylvester and John and John's kids, and they're all at this birthday party, and they're just having a good time. And little do they know that just less than a year from now, Rocky will win Best Picture, John Avildsen will win Best Director, and Sylvester Stallone will become the biggest superstar ever. And to me, that was fascinating to see. And it was very sweet. It was very charming. Now, there's also some footage that I didn't add, um, which was really cool, of more more family stuff. Mm-hmm. But I decided not to add that in just because it didn't it, – it, it, it felt too personal. Mm-hmm. So for the fans, just know that that too exists – but I'm, I'm not going to release that. <laughs> and that's fair enough, too. I mean, there's only so many things you can really delve into, and especially without John being, John G. Avildsen being around now. You don't have his permission to do so. There's a, there's a line that has to be uh, drawn down. I can definitely understand that. Um, you know, when I was watching the film, I think a lot of people forget that the first Rocky movie was very such a low-budget affair. I mean, it was very much like an independent film, and I think people forget that because... It became such a huge th- phenomenon. You had all the sequels and the box office success. And, of course, you mentioned before Stallone becoming the biggest action star, if not the biggest movie star of the world, and still is like up there as one of the greats. Um, and I think something that really comes to me when I watch this, uh, the, the footage is there's a humbleness to it. You get to see what it was like when Stallone was like just scraping by and trying to get this film made and you have all these kind of people come together not some of them are kind of known talia shire had the godfather films and burgess meredith had a a career of course before all of it but it was there was a kind of like a humbleness to it i think was really kind of appealing and really touching is that something that you found as well when watching that footage oh absolutely and and even in sly's voice when he's narrating which really isn't narration it's more like commentary it's like he's seeing it for the first time 
you really hear that in his voice and and you know he's a very um sentimental guy and rocky is um he's it's very close to his heart of course so yeah absolutely like just seeing how low budget it was and you know seeing the uh like for their their equipment truck was just like one cargo van hmm. you know things like that you're like wow and you're right it did feel like an independent film but uh you know it was a studio film but it didn't have a lot of support financially and of course it went on to become you know one of the most successful low budget movies of all time you we've mentioned stallone a bunch of times now you've met him he's narrated the film you know i think i have a bucket list of like people i'd love to interview and stallone is like the top of that because his movies had such like his movies are the reasons that i watch movies you know i mean the first my first memories of film was watch like rocky movies when i was growing up as a, as a kid um what's stallone like i mean this is a guy who's been a movie star for such a long time is that you talked before about he's a very sentimental guy is that kind of that humbleness that kind of hunger that he had when he was younger does that still kind of resonate even today when watching these films and when he kind of approaches his career and such? What, what are your reactions? What are your memories of being around him and hanging out with him and having him work on this project? Well, fortunately, I consider Sly and I friends. And, you know, I've been to his house several times and we've worked on a few projects together. And he, and, and if you would have told me I was going to say that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. So it's, I, I got to know him personally and, and we communicate and whatnot. And he's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Now I'm not saying all this to sound like a name dropper, but I'm alluding, I'm getting back to, to your question is he's a family man. Mm. He has a wonderful family. Uh, his relationship with his daughters and with Jennifer, his wife is amazing. And uh, his brother, Frank, they, you know, they have like this really cool, fun brother, brotherly rivalry going on. And you just realize that like, he's just, a, he's, he's, he's the Superman that we all grew up with in real life, but he's also very approachable. Um, you know, he never turns fans away and things like that. And, uh, he's just a really cool guy. He, he is the epitome of a movie star. He knows that people look at him as Superman and he knows how to make them feel, uh, you know, really good about themselves. And, and I, I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's funny, like, I was talking about the family thing. You know, we've, um, he's invited me over before with Frank and, and, again, Chris May, my producing partner. And his whole family, we all just sat in the screening room and, uh, and watched the rough cut of my Frank Stallone doc. Mm -hmm. And he gave me notes and... Uh, you know, you're like just sitting there and, and there's the dog, the family dog running around. It's, um, you know, these big superstars are, they're people too. But Sly, when he's in the room, you you know you're around Hollywood royalty. And, uh, I mean, he's he's just the best. He's the best at what he does. It's interesting watching this footage because it reminds of the days where things weren't documented so frequently. I mean, t these days, 
especially through social media platforms, transparency is a really successful marketing strategy. You go behind the scenes, you hang out with actors, you, they shoot, you know, into, um, they do things from their house, they, go, they do things from the set. Back then, there wasn't that much going on because number one, a technology number wasn't there. And number two, I think the thing about films, especially back um, like in the 70s and the 80s and early 90s, is that there was this kind of like a mystery towards it. You know, the silver screen really brought about, you know, really there was a cloak there that I don't think is there anymore. Do you think we're, we're missing those kind of days where, you know, I don't know. Well, I think what I'm trying to get to is that are we missing the days where we can be surprised again when it comes to like, you know, access to movies and, and makings of movies? Because this, Rocky's been, Rocky was released back in 1976 and we're still being surprised by a lot of things that's happening behind the scenes as your documentary kind of showed. Are we missing that kind of thing these days? Absolutely. I, I for one, can't stand it. Um, because for me, you know, movies are magic. Well, I don't want to see, uh, a, you know, a, a released photo or the actor in full makeup doing a, an Instagram live or something um, on the set of this movie, th there needs to be certain mystique about the movie. And the, my problem with this whole leaking and uh, doing the stuff on set and showing things ahead of time is it's, it's this new up and coming generation. That's what they're going to expect. Yeah. So the magic is lost. And um, that, that to me is really sad. And, and so films like 40 Years Rocky, The Birth of a Classic, or Becoming Rocky, The Birth of a Classic, as it's known in Australia, is it, there, there's so much magic to that because this stuff, it, 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 it almost shouldn't have existed back then. But 40 years, really 44 years from now, there won't be any mystery behind it, and that's really, really sad to me. But we have to roll with the times, and um, and it is what it is. It's been 44 years since the first Rocky came out, yet it's a movie that still resonates so strongly. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that, you know, it's cliche to say, but, you know, everyone has an underdog in them, or everyone knows an, under, an underdog. You rarely... Movies that, that have someone that is already made it and successful and doesn't have a drive for anything, those aren't really successful films. But movies where, you know, you, you have someone that's just down on their luck and, and gets a second chance. I mean, Rocky's a fairy tale. It's Cinderella for men. It's a love story for men. Um, and I think that... that it, it, it speaks to that sensitive nature of men. Uh, we all want to feel like men, and we, and, and, and we don't want society to, to bring us down. And Rocky, although, you know, you got to remember, he also was a bit of a thug. Hmm. He was a good-hearted thug, and he didn't break the thumb, but he still was a thug. Because, and, and I think that people, that really showed them, hey, I can relate to that, he, he, because, you know, maybe I've done some things in my life that I'm not proud of. But, man, if I were just given one more chance. And um, so, yeah, I think Rocky just it speaks to us all in, in that sense. I remember the first time I saw a Rocky film. It was Rocky Two. I'm I'm 39 now, so I'm from the VHS generation. Um, and I remember 
very clearly my older brother was watching Rocky II. It was the last fight scene. And I remember just, it was just like the most, best thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, there were some films I saw beforehand, but it was mostly kind of like, you know, cartoony kind of stuff. But this, there was a grittiness, there was a reality, there was the violence, there was the the stakes at play, you know, the, the last parts of Rocky II where both he, um, Rocky and Apollo Creed are trying to climb up the ropes as a 10 count is going on. That memory is, is burned into my brain. I can still remember that. And I, I think I must have been around, I don't know, six seven eight years old when i saw that and that's still a firm memory to me um derek do you remember the first time you've seen rocky or a rocky film do you have a first rocky memory that sticks with you absolutely i i remember the first time i saw each one of the rockies um of course when you're young i hate to say it you don't really watch rocky one yeah. because it's slow and you don't you don't get it yet you watch Rocky four and three and all that stuff. Yeah. But I remember the first time I saw Rocky, I was about seven or eight, but I grew up really watching the sequels like you just talked about. And, uh, I remember the first Rocky I had on VHS was Rocky two. So, um, cause I'm 37, so I'm from the same generation mm. and, and it's, um, I, I, yeah, I have distinct memories of, of each time, each of each of those films when I saw it. And I was very lucky. My grandfather, who has since passed, he was a big hero of mine. And he really introduced me to Rocky. And any time I wanted to watch one, he would watch it with me. It wasn't like, no, you've seen that too many times. He was game every time. And um, got just some of the, the best memories I have are watching Rocky with him. Yeah. Or Rocky 1, 2, 3. You know, whichever one it was. It's it's interesting you say that about your grandfather because that I think the Rocky movies more than any other I can kind of think of are you know, movies that kind of transcend generations because my my father is old world you know he came to Australia in 1969 from Croatia movies wasn't really his thing you know but the Rocky movies Stallone films he'd watch those films and those were the the only memories I ever had of watching films with my dad were those kind of movies. It's kind of interesting how those these Rocky films and Stallone films in particular really do kind of uh, transcend generations, isn't it? Absolutely, and you know, it's uh, uh, there's Casablanca. Yeah, it'll live forever. You know, there's The Godfather. It'll live forever. Rocky's one of those films. It'll live forever. It will never die. And I mean, you know, a lot of people. The, the film snobs will say, oh, it shouldn't have won Best Picture that year. Yes, it should. Yeah. Yes, it should. Yes, it should. It, 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 not only is it the better film, and not only is it uh, just captivated generation after generation, if you really look at what John Abelson did with that film on that budget and that script and those characters and everything – it totally outweighs the showmanship of the films that it was up against, which I love. I love all of those films. Don't get me wrong. But there's something about Rocky that did it right, and I think it's going to live forever. It's also a film that was very much uh, uh, innovative as well. I mean, you you, you touched on in the documentary um, the use of a Steadicam in there as well. Uh, fight choreography was another one as well that was kind of like made a big impact. I think Rocky Two kind of like even pushed that even to more boundaries and the things that Stallone did with the other films as well just kind of pushed that and, and the use of score as well. Like uh, there's a lot of things in that movie that really kind of ch changed the way that people 
made films and you mentioned before the year that it won was um the oscars was in 77 but it was released in 76 other movies released that year was taxi driver network or the president's men um all great movies but to me rocky does stand above all of those and i think there is do, do i think because of the sequels don't you think there's um, some in the certain in certain circles in the film critic uh, community community, there's a sort of snobbery towards Rocky, not not towards the film that it is, but more about the films that it's associated with. Yeah, I mean, the, all of the sequels, all of that kind of stuff. It kind of, um, you know, yeah, they stick their noses up to that. And but again, there's a reason why those sequels exist. It's because that first movie was so great and not only that it, it kind of again transcends generations transcends cultures i mean look at the creed films as well i mean that was just the way that they were managed to take the rocky story and reimagine it and bring it into a different direction is just fantastic um i want to put you on the spot here derek um we are we just talked about the sequels i want to rank the Rocky sequels. I'm going to see what your opinion is of this. So I'm going to share my rankings of sequels one to six. I'm not going to talk about the Creed films because I think they're in a kind of like a different kind of a different thing there. Um, I'm going to go Rocky one, Rocky two, Rocky Balboa, and then four, three, and five. Derek, do you have a ranking yourself in regards to the sequels? Interesting. That's a good. That's a good list um, or a good order. I'd go Rocky one, Rocky two. Three. Oh, excuse me. Let me start over. Yep. Okay, Rocky one, Rocky two, Rocky Balboa, three, four, five. Um, because I felt that Rocky two is such a great sequel. Yeah. And it basically it's the same movie as Rocky one, except he wins this time. But it's done so well. I feel that Rocky Balboa was such a wonderful ending to that well we think it's in the ending to that series and it's very very well done rocky three is where it starts to become more of a comic book Mm -hmm. but there's still some good serious moments rocky four i love but we're talking about how great the films are not the order of the ones we love it's so crazy and surreal and rocky five you know, it just doesn't do it. And I've seen the, the director's cut, which a lot of people have. I'm not sure if you have. And it's it's just a shame that a lot of Appleton's original vision didn't make the cut. And uh, that would have made that film such so much, so it, just better. That's interesting. I wasn't aware that there was a director's cut. You know, is, director's cuts these days... There's a really there's a thirst there's an appetite for that kind of footage. There's the, the Justice League Snyder cut is releasing next year. There are talks of releasing different Star Wars cuts as well, etc. Do you think maybe that there could be a chance that um, Rocky Five a director's cut of that? Do you reckon that there's a chance that could be released, or is that something that's forced alone? Um, Water under the bridge is not going to approach that project again. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, it basically the Rocky Five director's cut was just it's it was a leaked rough cut mm-hmm. of Avilton's. So it wasn't like officially put out or anything like that, but it was on YouTube. I don't know if it's still there. And um but I don't I don't think they're gonna touch it. I really don't. Um I think it's just kind of dead in the water. But it was really cool whoever leaked that rough cut, it still had time code on it and everything, I believe. Um 
it, it really showed like, hey, this really was going to be a lot better. And I think it finally gave some justice to that film. What do you think happened with that movie? I mean, it was the reunion of Ableton and Stallone and the Rocky films haven't been around since, I think Rocky IV was 1985, so it was like a good five years in between. What do you think happened there? Do you think it was just a case of um, too much creative conflict, um, too much expectation placed on it, and it kind of just lost, just kind of lost itself under the burden of that weight? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, everything you just said, but as you probably know, Rocky was supposed to die yeah. in that film, and that's why John Avildsen signed on because the script he read was just this beautiful um, ending. To, to this character and uh, and when he got the call that you know the studio had said no he's not going to die Avildsen was furious and I think there was just so much happening there first of all the culture had changed we, we go from 76 to 90 mm. um, it just so there was just so much wrong with it and you know Tommy Morrison caught a lot of flack for that but he was wonderful in that film yeah i mean tommy morrison was fantastic to not be a trained actor he, he killed it in that film but it's just it's just not a good movie and it's just it's very very unfortunate it's interesting how we talk about um trained fighters in rocky films i mean it's you had tommy morrison you have um antonio tava was in rocky balboa um uh, tony bellow was in the first creed movie um, you know, I don't know if you've seen out there, but Mike Tyson is looking pretty fierce, pretty healthy, pretty uh, determined to uh, get back into the fighting ring. Um, do you think that Sylvester Stallone is looking at that footage and he's, he's you know, scratching his uh, his goatee thinking, hmm, Tyson versus Rocky, Rocky 7, you know, another movie. Do you think there could be any type of, uh, any type of you know, potential of that happening? I have never thought of that, but what a awesome idea that would be! Wow, um, <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I personally want to see. I don't want to see another Rocky film or another Creed film, but that I would pay money to see. That's pretty cool. All I'm saying is that the age is kind of aligned. I mean, I think um, I know Stallone. He's he's older than Tyson, but Tyson is like almost sixty. I'm pretty sure. I think he's around fifty-seven, fifty-eight. I'm not a hundred percent there, but. Um, I'm just I'm just going to put that out into the universe and see what happens with that. And then if it happens, we can come back to this podcast and we can take credit for it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, yeah, because I think he's actually like 53, I want to say. Mm. But what's interesting about that is it's he's, he's kind of living his own Rocky Balboa, you know, his own Rocky Six moment. So, uh, yeah, hey, more power to him. When we were discussing our Rocky rankings right now, I think you and I both agree that Rocky – is the best movie out of the Rocky series. But I think the most watched, the most loved, and I think for a lot of people, the, the movie that kind of introduced them to the series was Rocky IV. Um, because you said before, it's such a surreal kind of film. It's almost like a, in a, in a sort of way, I think what we have now with kind of like comic book movies, kind of a lot of that originated with that movie. There's a mythology um, to, towards that film. And there's like, you know, just everything going with it. It's, just, it's, it's a fantastic pop culture uh, movie. Um, that movie is going to have its 35 year anniversary this year as well. I think it was released in December. It's like near Christmas time. Um, 
if you think there's any potential whatsoever, and I'm talking to you as a producer as well, um, you know, you have skin in the game in regards to um, the Stallone releases with this movie and Frank Stallone movie as well. Do you think there's any potential whatsoever that you could approach making a Rocky Four documentary considering the cultural impact that that film had? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, uh, I feel a little punch drunk uh, because of all you know, the last several years of being in the Rocky world with these three unofficial uh, Rocky esque documentaries I've done, but I think a Rocky Four documentary sounds pretty cool. I must admit. And I, I tell you what, if it does happen, I, I would love, love to see it. In the meantime, though, we have Becoming Rocky, the making of a classic. This is fantastic stuff here, Derek. It really is. Um, so for everyone out there, once again, 9th of June releases in digital video demand in the United States and in, in, in North America in general. Is that correct, Derek? Yeah. So basically, um, I wanted to just clarify that, yeah, 40 Years of Rocky, the birth of a classic, releases June 9th uh, in U.S. and Canada on iTunes, Amazon, you know, all those kind of platforms. And then it's known as Becoming Rocky, the birth of a classic in Australia and other parts of the world. And that will actually be available as well on June 9th on becomingrocky.com. That's, that's where it could be found uh, outside of the U.S. and Canada at this moment until more platforms, um, until it arrives on more platforms. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to spread like a wildfire. And um, we're just very excited for the whole world to see it. And I can't wait for everyone to see it as well. I've seen it myself. I'm working on a four-star review on it right now. For Like I said in my intro, if you're a Rocky fan or just a fan of filmmaking and a lover of cinema, you have to watch this film just for the fact that you're watching the making of a classic. Uh, and Derek, I thank you very much for your movie. Um, it's fantastic. I can't wait to see your Frank Stallone documentary as well. I, and when that comes out, I'll be all over that as well. So um, until then, though, congratulations on the movie and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you. I really pe- appreciate having me on the show and, and your kind words. And, uh, you know, as Sly always says, keep punching. <laughs>